Welcome to the DermVet Podcast. I'm Dr. Ashley Bourgeois, a board-certified veterinary dermatologist practicing in Portland, Oregon with animal dermatology clinics. I'm also a mom of two, just trying to find the balance like everyone else. Let's learn to ditch the itch, cytology, everything, and make derm more fun than frustrating. Why do dermatologists love skin barrier? I mean, it makes sense. We love skin barrier because we love the skin, but it is extremely important when we think about especially dogs with allergies, which is probably where skin barrier is known the most and the most researched that we do not forget about it. And why is this important? Because when we think of dogs with allergies, we often think of their overactive immune system, right? We think of using something like Apoquil, Cytopoint, Cyclosporin, even steroids to calm down the inflammation. And that is a huge part of allergies and that is extremely important. But we also have to think about the skin barrier because there are a couple different components to canine atopic dermatitis, one being the immune dysfunction, increased IgE, sensitization to allergens. We know there's increase in TH2 cytokines, um, things like thymic strobile, lymphopoietin, all these things that are increased. But then we also know that there is truly a skin barrier abnormality. So there's lots of literature showing they have defective skin barrier. By definition, a dog with atopic dermatitis has a defective skin barrier. It's part of the genetic defect that they have. So what does that mean? Well, they've seen things like decreased filaggrin, decreased ceramides, decreased antimicrobial peptides, decreased serine protease inhibitors, all these things that affect the skin barrier. Essentially, they are not organizing their skin barrier appropriately. There have been studies looking at electron microscopy of dogs with atopic dermatitis, even their skin that looks pretty normal, showing skin barrier abnormalities. In canine atopic dermatitis, one of the things, definitions I really like about it is that it's a clinical syndrome rather than a singular disease. So I'm sure there are patients out there who you can just put on one medication and they control. And that's probably not the cases that I see as a dermatologist, but I know that they're out there. But for the most part, a misstep that happens is that we don't think about this as a multimodal disease, that there's lots of things happening. So functionally, chemically, ultrastructurally, what are some of the abnormalities we see in the epidermis? We th- see things like increases in transepidermal water loss. So they lose water more easily because of the defect in the skin barrier itself. Well, that's not good because that can lead to dryness, irritation, scaling, erythema. Just like us, if we walk in, uh, walk out where my family is from in Minnesota, you walk out and it's negative 30 out, you know, your skin dries up, it cracks, it itches, it bleeds. And those are kind of similar things that we can see with dogs that have increased transepidermal water loss. We don't want to lose water. We want to retain water in the skin. They have abnormal lamellar morphology. There's all these little like molecules, these little structures in the skin, and they'll package up ceramides into these little packages. They go through various layers of the epidermis, and they are meant to release those ceramides, all these things in between the corneocytes. The corneocytes are essentially skin cells in that stratum corneum. So they're the top layer of the skin, the skin cells that lose their nucleus, and they're meant to flake off. That's a protective thing for the skin, right? 
your skin flakes off. It turns because you get newer skin cells that happen. You can hear my dog going crazy, <laughs> scratching at her collar. Um, you get numerous skin cells that fall off. So you shed things like pathogens. You shed things like, you know, old skin cells that aren't helping as much. They're not carrying things like ceramides. So that's actually something that is protective. It's beneficial for them. Um, but these ceramides, they get packaged in these little vesicles and they go up and they're released. So they fill in the gaps between these cornea sites. In between the cornea sites, you should have ceramides that serve as that mortar. A lot of times the cornification process of that top layer of the skin, the epidermis, is referred to as bricks and mortar. Bricks are the cornea sites. Those are your terminally differentiated skin cells that lose their nucleus and flake off. But in between those corneocytes are all of these lipids and ceramides that are the mortar. They're meant to hold things together. They're meant to, you know, fill up the cracks so that you don't absorb the outside world as readily. And then we know that dogs with atopic dermatitis have abnormal filaggrin. Filaggrin is basically an organizing protein. It sits there and keeps things, um, you know, looking really neat, organized so that the skin is protective. And we know through numerous studies that dogs with atopic dermatitis have abnormal filaggrin. So there have been studies looking at Again, those electron microscopies, they'll biopsy skin, they'll look at it, and they'll see that it's very abnormal. The layers of the skin are abnormal in dogs that have atopic dermatitis, even if they take it from skin that looks pretty good. So why epidermal uh, barrier and considering that is really important is if we can restore it, if we can make it so the skin is more protective again, make up some of these genetic defects, one, we're hoping for less things like infections. Infections happen from an abnormal skin barrier. They happen from a, the microbiome of a dog with atopic dermatitis being abnormal. We see less diversity in the normal bacteria that lives on skin of dogs with allergies. A lot of times people think, oh, they have just lots of different types of bacteria and that's why they always get infected. It's actually the reverse is true. There's less diversity to their microbiome. So we have things like staph that proliferate. They'll be more likely to have staph pseudonermedius rather than lots of different types of bacteria. And that can feed into why they get infections, but also the fact that their skin barrier is abnormal. The other reason it's important to think of skin barrier is we already have to do a lot with these dogs systemically, different medications to control itch and inflammation, you know, good flea control, antibiotics sometimes, anti-yeast. So if we restore their barrier, we're making it so they're not absorbing these things quite as readily, then we may be able to use less systemic medications. Of course, less systemic medications, we're hoping for the health of the pet is going to be really beneficial. It's also going to be help. It's going to help the owners as far as less money, right? If we have to give less medication, we hope that it's not as costly. Maybe we have to do less lab work monitoring. Maybe there's less rechecks if we restore the epidermal barrier because we get less infections, less cytologies, all these things I love to do, but I would love for my owner's sake to not have to do them as readily. And that's why instead of just using systemic medications, though, of course, they are very important. We have to consider how are we restoring the skin barrier for that pet?
So don't reach for things like shampoos or mousses only when the pet's infected. You know, bathing is so important in these dogs. You know, bathe them with something like a a Duke's OS3 Calm as maintenance every one to two weeks or a Dermasen essential shampoo. Um, You know, anything that we know helps restore the skin barrier if owners are going to be bathing anyway can be really beneficial. And then our hope is if we are restoring that skin barrier, then we're not going to have as many exogenous factors, those allergens penetrate the skin and be able to activate that over TH2 cytokine reaction that we know a lot of these dogs have. So both of these things are true. The outside inside hypothesis is that skin barrier hypothesis. There is a primary defect in the skin barrier structure, allowing these exogenous factors to penetrate. And then there's the inside outside hypothesis. There's a primary immune defect leading to skin inflammation. And we know dogs with atopic dermatitis tend to skew in a TH2 fashion with their T helper cells versus TH1 fashion, which is when we do things like immunotherapy, we're actually trying to shift them more to that TH1 fashion. Also by appropriately using systemic medications when we need to, we can also help their skin barrier, right? If they're not scratching as much, if they're not breaking out with infections, they're all related. And that's where allergies can be really frustrating. There's so many things that we have to think about skin barrier, the infections, ears, um, the skin itself, then the medications they have to be on, the flea control, the nutrition, And the other thing to think about is I think when we consider skin barrier, we think of just shampoos, bathing, spot-ons, topicals, and I love all of those things, but we're seeing lots of these newer diets come out that also help the skin that aren't necessarily meant to only diagnose a food allergy, but also can be helpful in restoring the skin for dogs with atopic dermatitis. So if owners are willing to feed a diet that's going to nutritionally help their skin, we may be able to use less topicals or not break out as often. Um, The dog's got to eat. So it's really beneficial to give them something that's going to be helpful for their skin, the skin itself. And so these are things that we have to think about these multimodal therapies. When we say that term, it is not just here's your side to point the end. It is okay. Are they in good flea prevention? Are we bathing them with quality shampoo? Do we need something like a spot on once a week to help restore that skin barrier? Do we need a diet that's going to help that skin barrier so we can lessen the amounts of medications that are used long-term in this pet? That's truly what multimodal therapy is. And that's why as dermatologists, we do love thinking of the skin barrier and you will see our treatment plans go out with lots of different things, a shampoo, maybe a mousse, maybe wipes if they get infections on their paws all the time, or, you know, able to restore the skin with spot on or use nutrition. We want these multimodal things so we can lessen the chance of infections. We can lessen the frustration for clients. And we're so lucky that the organ we deal with, we can touch, we can see, we can massage, we can put topical things on because most specialties don't have that, um, you know, as an option, you know, I guess us and dentists, I mean, if you are dealing with a liver disease, you can't necessarily bathe the liver once a day in something to get rid of infection. So we're really, really fortunate in dermatology that we do have topical products that we can lessen things like the use of antibiotics, but also we can lessen the things like anti-itch medications or infections through topical measures, through nutritional measures that we're really, really lucky. So 
as you can see, we're really passionate about skin barrier and dermatology. And so it's something I just want you guys to get used to considering. You know, you have a pet who's doing well, but they're still a little itchy instead of just reaching for another medication. What if we bathe them with something that restores their skin? What if we use a spot on that restores their skin? What if we could change their diet to something that might restore their skin and we don't necessarily just have to reach for another medication? Um, and, and believe me, I have pets on lots of medications because we see the worst of the worst allergies, but we want to see if we are able to work with their skin barrier to lessen the chance that we have to do that all the time, or we can at least lessen things like skin infections. If you are passionate about topics like this and get excited about learning more, we just covered epidermal barrier function in the Derm Nerds. Every month we do a topic of the month where we dive deeper into topics. We do, I do an intro presentation recorded video. We go over certain cases. We bring journal articles. We do discussion questions. So things like this, if you get excited and interested, I'd really consider trying out the Derm Nerds. If you go to thedermvet.com, there's a tab for Derm Nerds. You can try it out. Um, We have lots of fun in there. For those of you that were at Western Veterinary Conference, um, thank you for coming up and saying hi and going to lectures. It definitely fuels me to keep putting content out there because I clearly love what I do and I'm hoping that I can inspire you to have some derm love as well.